Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. Now, that will really do a lot for America's safety, will it not? 
Let's bring in that pool of cheap labor so more freight can be moved across our country and the trucking companies can make a heftier bottom line. So it's it's all about safety, I take it. Let's let's get this sleep apnea testing going in order to get a firmer grasp of truck driver safety in the US and while we're at it, let's open the Mexican border. Um a lot of people are pushing for this. The ATA is pushing hard for it. Uh, Bill Graves, the president and CEO of the ATA, recently stated on NPR, and I quote, In my opinion, there was no good valid reason to pull the plug on that pilot program. I think discriminatory would be a good word, unquote. So really, discriminatory. Well, how about discrimination against the American trucker? and you can't find any good, valid reasons? How about taking away thousands of American truck driver jobs and handing them over to the Mexican drivers in return for cheap labor? How about creating a massive truck driver displacement program for our nation's truckers? And how about opening up our country to a greater threat of road safety and crime? How's that for a few suggestions? So what is the ATA, the FMCA, and uh, all the safety experts going to do when accidents go up in the U.S.? And what are they going to do when crime goes up in the U.S.? Uh, I guess they'll probably figure out a way to blame it on the American truck driver. But keeping the border closed is hurting the farmers. That's one other thing that came up in the NPR program. And uh, well, you know how many farmers get hurt? When the government shut off the water supply out in California to those thousands of farmers in order to save a stupid little fish. And so I guess now we're all concerned about the farmers being hurt. But where were they when the Save the Stupid Little Fish campaign was going on? Didn't hear anything from them. So let's man up here and really say what's going on. It's all about the bottom line, the almighty dollar, power, greed, Open the border and flood America with even more cheap labor at a time when the American driver isn't being paid a livable wage anyway. Squeeze out the American trucker and reap the rewards of abusing the Mexican people as cheap labor. And from where they come from, they'll be thrilled to be abused by the OTR industry in order to make a whopping $300 per week. I mean, to them, they'll be making more money than they've ever dreamed of. The, the trucking companies could could double their bottom line profit, and the only ones who will lose are the American truck drivers who have always, who have, uh, always done their job safely and professionally. But I guess they still have to also keep up the front with the American public that they are doing what they can do to ensure safety on our roads and highways. So here comes sleep apnea testing. I mean, that's going to do it. And at the same time, get that border open. After all, it's all about safety, right? Uh, we're already swamped with crime from across the border, ranging from kidnappings, home invasions, and deadly encounters from the drug cartels. 6,000 killings last year alone from the cartels crossing the border and committing those murders right here in America. And all the experts want to open the border. And... Uh, I mean, do you realize that suicide bombers from Middle East are living in Mexico right now? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they do, but hey, let's open the border because we don't want to discriminate against anyone. So open the Mexican border, everyone, and let's get this sleep apnea law up and running because, after all, it's all about safety.
Well, it's Wednesday, May 19th, 2010, and this is Truth About Trucking on Vlog Talk Radio. I'm Alan Smith, and our show this evening is actually Truck Driver Fatigue and the Sleep Apnea Deception. Uh, everywhere you look, you're reading and hearing about how fatigue is such a major cause of accidents among the trucking professionals. Uh, it's like killer trucks are on our highways and interstates, and everywhere you look, truck drivers are so tired and worn out that they are killing everyone in sight. So how often does fatigue play a role in semi-truck accidents? 50%, 60%, 75%, what do you think? It's got to be a high number because it's all we hear from the NTSB, the FMCSA, and even the ATA saying that fatigue is a major factor among truck accidents. And let's face it, if they say it, then it has to be true. Even though institutional studies show that the proportion of large truck crashes for which fatigue is a contributing factor is uncertain. In fact, data gathered by the Fatality Analysis Reporting System and the General Estimate System, which is maintained by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, showed that 8.15% of all truck-involved crashes were due to driver fatigue. And since that study was conducted, it has actually gone down. Uh, accidents caused by uh, truck driver fatigue presently stands around 6 to 7%. More people are killed by car truck accidents somewhere in the neighborhood of 60% because they were not wearing their seat belts, not fatigue. Fatigue plays a role only about 6 to 7% of the time. But because these... Uh, Industry authorities claim that driver fatigue is a major factor these days. Every run, everybody runs with it, and everybody writes about it, blogs about it, creates articles about it. Everybody's an expert, reiterating what they're being told by the NTSB, the uh, FMCSA, and the ATA, and the BRT, and the SMG, and the RRF, and every other abbreviated nonsense you can think of. Now, now what they're do what they're looking at doing to fight this driver fatigue epidemic that has taken over our drivers in this country is sleep apnea testing a test somewhere in the neighborhood of $3500 payable through the trucking company or the driver or their insurance and this is going to solve truck driver fatigue the uh FMCSA ATA NTSB and others are expressing to the world that 30% of all truck drivers have sleep apnea, a major factor in driver fatigue. And they're also telling everyone that 6 to 12% of the male population have sleep apnea. So what happened? They said it, and everyone took off with it. The information is all over the net on blogs, articles, trucking publications, talk shows, you name it. They said it, so it must be true. Well, this evening on Truth About Trucking Live, we're going to show you that this information is completely false. And we're going to do that by using the very studies that the FMCSA conducted. The first study, which took seven years to produce, was done at a cost of just under $4.5 million. Now, for years, I've been, I've been writing about, talking about, discussing the real problem of truck driver fatigue. I mean, there, there's no question that driver fatigue exists within the trucking industry. It's a big problem, and it's a serious problem, but it is not because of sleep apnea. 
And I will say right now that the upcoming sleep apnea testing law will do absolutely nothing for the prevention of fatigue among our nation's drivers. Truck driver fatigue is caused by one thing and one thing only, and that is the lifestyle that is associated with being a professional trucker. And we're going to get into this factor in greater detail later in the show. So what about these figures being spread around by these association organizations and safety boards? Six to 12% of the entire male population has sleep apnea. 30% of all truck drivers have this medical condition. They said it, so it must be true, right? Well, actually, no. You have to look at the numbers. You have to look at the data. You have to investigate and decipher the real information to get the accurate picture of the overall problem, and that's exactly what we have done here on Truth About Trucking Live. We are going to give you the real numbers, the real truth about the truck driver fatigue issue. Uh, we're going to give you the real percentage based on the FMCSA's own study and show you how they came up with this 30% figure that is totally inaccurate. And uh, Donna is here with me to run through the figures and the data and the truth about truck driver fatigue and the sleep apnea deception. When we come back right here on Truth About Trucking Live, we'll get this show on the road in three minutes. Stay with us. It ain't right, man, it sucks When the big old companies make a billion bucks On the backs of the working man Driving trucks and cars It takes 1,200 bucks to fill this rig While I'm stuffing the pockets of some big wig He don't care if I've maxed out my credit card The only trick I get for my truck Is the jack and the price when I fill it up like pumping my money down an endless hole What they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll Tell me what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll oh. I don't need a college degree to figure out that they're ripping off me They get a big tax break and all I get's the shaft Insurance goes up if my credit is down If I sink any lower I'm gonna drown And I ain't getting no help from a bureaucrat, no The only trick I get for my truck is a jack in the price when I fill it up like pumping my money down an endless hole But what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll Tell me what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll If mama hadn't taught me the golden rule I'd tell those big wigs what to do With the nozzle on the pump where I get my gas but I'm a good boy and I won't do that Oh, the only trick I get for my truck Is a jack in the price when I fill it up It's like pumping my money down an endless hole 
they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll? Tell me what they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll? What they gonna do when the big rigs don't roll?
medical programs made the statement, we know that fatigue is a problem, she said, and we know that sleep apnea is a major contributor to fatigue. In that same um, article, Martin R. Walker, Chief MCSA Research Division, pointed to the prevalence of sleep apnea in commercial truck drivers, noting that a study published in 2002 found that almost a third of CMV drivers had mild to severe obstructive sleep apnea. Um, this study, along with a later study, found that older age and high body mass index are two factors commonly linked with sleep apnea. So anyway, we decided to find that research, and uh, this is what we found from the University of Pennsylvania. Um, this was actually um, almost a 14-year study because it was done between um, the it was the crash data was hooked up to the people who were chosen for for this um, for this study, so they looked back seven years, <coughs> excuse me, and looked at their crash data, um, and then connected it to the findings of the sleep apnea test. So they, they could actually, you know, create a whole new database with all this information connected. And it was quite a, quite a, a, a good study. And I'm, I'm assuming that they came up with the 30% from this study because we didn't find any other studies um, on, online or anywhere else. So basically what they came up with was this. Um, well, I'm going to read this only only because if somebody needs the definition of sleep apnea, um, this is what's in the study. Sleep apnea is a condition in which a narrowing or closure of the upper airway during sleep causes repeated sleep disturbances and possible complete awakenings, leading to a poor sleep uh, quality and excessive daytime sleepiness. The study was completed to assess the risks of commercial motor vehicle crashes due to the presence of sleep apnea among truck drivers. In other words, they're saying because of this obstruction, uh, you get a poor night's sleep, your oxygen levels go down, and therefore you are fatigued during the day. And this is a real condition. Um, we're not, you know, making it light in any way. Um, what we are saying is that driver fatigue is uh, not uh, so grossly related to the sleep apnea as people would want you to think. So in this, in this study, uh, they randomly chose, um, actually it was over 4,000 drivers, and they asked them to fill out a questionnaire. And 1,391 drivers filled out the questionnaire. It's called an apnea prediction questionnaire, and what it is is they'd ask uh, a lot of questions uh, to determine which drivers most likely would have sleep apnea based on this questionnaire. So um, things like medical history, snoring, sleep patterns, height, weight, questions like that. Well, out of those 1,391, 406 were uh, selected to continue into this uh, 
sleep study program and overnight in a laboratory. And uh, uh, they, this is what they came up with, okay? The 406 flagged for most likely to have sleep apnea, 64% did not have it. Now, this is 64% out of the 406 out of the selected 406. out of the 1,391. Right. Well, basically, they selected the 406 because their, the way they answered the questionnaire right. was suspicious. The other 985 people who filled out the questionnaire uh, were not suspect for sleep apnea. In other words, you know, they might not snore, they weren't overweight, they uh, maybe were in uh, a certain age category. They just were not suspect to be uh, applicants for this uh, overnight study. Right. So out of the suspect 406, 260 did not have sleep apnea. That's 64%. Okay, 64% out of the 406. Right. Okay. Then, now, 86 of the 406. Uh, had uh, moderate or mild sleep apnea, so that came to 21.2 percent. Okay. Then 32 out of the 406 had moderate sleep apnea, and then 20 at, 28 out of the 406 had severe sleep apnea. So. Okay, and that last figure would. The severe sleep apnea out of the 406, out of the 1391, would right. would work out to be 6.9 percent. Uh, well, 6.9 percent of the 406. Right. That means the ones that were suspect. Now, when you want to uh, establish a, a, a percentage of the total group, you have to include those other 985. Uh, applicant drivers who filled out the questionnaire who were assumed not to have any problem with sleep apnea at all. Uh, so you have to include them in the, in the calculation. So when you look at the figures and you include them, 28 out of the total 1,391 drivers had severe sleep apnea which is 2.0%. Now, if you go back to that first study we talked about um, with the 80 drivers, the seven-year study, and they said that only 2.5% showed sleep apnea, mm -hmm. this figure matches more with that figure. Right. Okay? 2%. 2% had severe sleep apnea. Now, uh, 32 of the 1,391 drivers had moderate sleep apnea, which was 2.3%, and which would mean that if you combined severe and moderate, this would be 4.3% of drivers had moderate to severe. This figure actually matches the national average uh, which is uh, when they did a study, they said that 4% of males mm -hmm. had, uh, in, the, in the country now, this isn't just drivers, this is a population, and this is off of a medical site uh, that I researched. Mm -hmm. Now, this was uh, an interesting fact. They are associating age and body weight with a higher risk of sleep apnea. 
However, when they went to China, and they have a very low uh, overweight body mass um, compared to the United States, they also had 4% with sleep apnea. And that puzzled them because, you know, the correlation between the body mass and uh, sleep apnea wasn't, uh, wasn't matching up. So okay. um, the other thing, after they completed this study um, and they matched up, I've got all kinds of notes here, uh, they matched up uh, the, the database with the crash testing and so forth, the final, I'm going to read it to you. Okay. So, let's see. Two major factors, age and degree of obesity as measured by body mass with the prevalence of sleep apnea increasing with increasing age and BMI. However, another meaningful study finding showed that the prevalence of sleep apnea depends on the average duration of sleep over consecutive nights. Short sleep duration, six hours or less per night, results in an increase in the prevalence of sleep apnea. In other words, if you have less than six hours sleep at night, that could be a cause for sleep apnea, along with your um, increased age and BMI. Now, another thing they came up with, although older drivers are a greater risk for sleep apnea, less experienced drivers have a greater risk for crashes. So, the hypothesis that was uh, originally tested was this. A driver diagnosed with sleep apnea is more likely to be involved in a motor vehicle crash than a driver with no history or symptoms of sleep apnea. That's what they were trying to prove in this hypothesis. What they came up with was, after controlling for differences in the other predictable variables included in the model, the data gained in this study did not support this hypothesis. Okay, now that's the key. We've got to reiterate this. I mean, they had these studies, had these long studies, and the facts that came out of these studies, let's just be honest, wasn't what they were hoping for. Well, this, I tried to figure out where they came up with the 30%. And the only well, I, thing I could think of was they were looking at the 30% of the 406. That's what happened. I, I mean, here's an example I just wanted to explain to everybody. If you, if you, Let's say you're trying to measure something in Group A. Let's say it's depression. And you've got 1,000 people in Group A. You hand them a questionnaire. You ask them the typical questions concerning depression. Oh, do you sleep well at night? Do you cry easily? You know, all, everybody's seen all the questions for depression, okay? Then you screen that 1,000, and you get 300 people that, because of the questionnaire, they, they're candidates for depression. And out of those 300, 100 of them are clinically depressed. They go on for more testing, and they're clinically depressed. So you could say that out of 100 out of 300 suspects, 33% had depression. 
However, you cannot say that 33% of all the people in Group A are clinically depressed because you have to take into account the group started with 1,000. Right. So 100 out of 1,000 comes to 10%. Well, what I was looking at all these figures, um, the only thing I could think of was that 30% they were using the calculations of the 406 out of the 1391 that were suspect uh, for sleep apnea. And otherwise, the numbers just aren't matching up when you use the entire uh, group that that filled out the questionnaire. And that's all. If, if, if there's other data out there that people have, um, please, you know, let us know because I'd love to see it. I I've really searched, and Alan searched the Internet, and we can't find any other studies except this uh, very extensive University of Pennsylvania. No, we, ha we have the study, and this is, a, this is exactly what happened. I mean, they had 13, we'll run it down, 1,391 drivers. Out of the 1,391 drivers, 406 were picked for further testing. Out of that 406, it works out to be 36%. Uh, had cases of various stages of sleep apnea. So to make it more clear, out of the 1,391 drivers, only about 60 had various stages of the sleep disorder. The remaining 1,331 were fine. So that works out to be 4.3% out of the original 1,391 drivers for the study, yet we're being told that 30% of all truck drivers have sleep apnea, and that is not the case based on their own studies. 4.3%. Uh, That's for the moderate to severe. If you want to include in that mild sleep apnea, the most it jumps up to is 10.5%. 10.5%. That's if so you really, uh, you when, know. When you, go, when you look through the numbers of the 406 that they continued on, 64% had no sleep apnea, 21.2% had mild, 7.9% had moderate, 6.9% had severe. That works out to be 36%. I guess they rounded it down to 30%. I guess. But when you perform the calculations based on the entire group study of all 1,391 drivers, 4.3% had moderate to severe sleep apnea, yet we're hearing 30% of all truck drivers. And and uh, I, this is from their studies, Donna, not ours. So Right. And, I mean, I could – I mean, this is a, a pretty lengthy – I have four pages in front of me. I just want to read you the, the, um, the hypothesis that drivers with various degrees of sleep apnea had a greater likelihood of being involved in multiple over the 14-year period was investigated. So this was 14 years. No association was found between sleep apnea presence or severity and multi-crashes. This suggests that the commercial drivers in this study who were diagnosed with sleep apnea were not an increased risk for having more than one crash over the 14-year period prior to and following their diagnosis. And what they mean with that is they studied these drivers 
seven years before looking at the um, crash data through the FMCSA, and then they looked at their crash data for another seven years after they were diagnosed, and they did not uh, see any risk. Um, Let me see if I can find something else here. Okay, I want to touch on something, too. I mean, we get back to it's all over the Internet. Uh, people are jumping on writing articles because this is what they're being told, so it has to be true. Uh, if you can find it, the, that one little thing that just irritates me about six, between six, is they're, they're reporting six to 12% of the entire male population has uh, sleep apnea, some form of sleep apnea. But yet the study, Donna, how did it put it? The study said that they found no correlation between sleep apnea and the general public? Well, no, what they're saying is that the um, the drivers and the general public, general public. Have, have just pretty much the same chances of sleep apnea. Now, if you look at that 10.5 figure, 10.5% of all, all drivers who range with most of them just being mild and only a very small percentage, 2% being severe, um, you know, that falls right in line uh, with your 6 to 12% you're, you're speaking about for the country. Um, I came up with a, a 4% figure on this medical site, uh, but, you know, the 6 to 12, that 10.5 would fall right in there. What doesn't fall in there is the 30% that uh, that they're reporting, 30% of drivers have sleep apnea. And I think what's happening now, they're intertwining the word sleep apnea and fatigue. They want that association. When you think of driver fatigue, automatically people will think they have uh, that drivers have this this condition. And I will say that if if they do have this condition, because it is a real condition. I mean, even if yeah. it is only two percent, they need to take care of it. Oh yeah. I mean, there's uh, uh, all kind. I mean, all kinds of uh, uh, remedies. There's surgical. There's yeah. dental. There's um, what is it? The CPAP. The masks you can wear at night to increase the positive pressure of oxygen flowing, and you'll wake up feeling better. I mean, these are treatments that people do. Yeah, However, the, to use the, the change, you know, to talk about fatigue and sleep apnea as though it's the same word, uh, meaning it's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of ridiculous because there's a lot of other things that cause driver fatigue. Well, let me, let me say that... Uh, uh, no, I totally understand sleep apnea as a medical condition. If it's severe, you got to get it taken care of or don't drive. What we're saying is it's being reported 30% of truck drivers have sleep apnea. Well, false. They don't. They they got the 30% out of the 406 from the 1391 of the original study. And if and somebody's listening here and they have a study or they know the study, please send it to us because I want to see it. Yeah, I'll get to some callers here in a little bit, but i got a lot to go through. Um, one thing I wanted you to reiterate, Donna, is uh, what what were the, um, the things stated that can cause sleep apnea, the less than six hours of sleep yes. a night? What were those others? The, it's um, body mass 
and the older you are because your muscles relax as you get older. And body mass is thought because there's more fat tissue. Um, however, when they they hooked up the crash data to the people that have it, uh, actually what they did correlate was that the less experienced drivers had a greater risk of crashes. So, uh, and, and in correlation to what? I mean, the younger drivers have... Well, I don't know if it meant younger. It just meant less experienced. Less um, experienced, okay. Yeah. Less experienced, but that has nothing to do with sleep apnea. They're just no. saying less experienced. Okay, well, that's kind of common sense. That's kind of easy to see. But um, if they're saying that uh, if anybody, regardless if they're a driver or if they're a factory worker or a police officer, whoever, uh, if you're getting six hours of sleep less than, six hours of sleep or less a night on a continual basis, if you're getting uh, interrupted in your sleep, uh, if you're getting a uh, you know, woke up. If you know all the all these kind of things that can disturb and interrupt your sleep. Right. Um, They're saying well, that. if that's the case for sleep apnea, then that is the epitome of of the truck driver lifestyle. Right. And they they uh, found that drivers average 5.2 hours a night sleep, which falls beneath, uh, and that's just an average, but that falls between the six hours that's required. And without it, it can uh, induce sleep apnea. So that could be a cause. I know we uh, had a lot of comments on Facebook. Um, I had copied and pasted a lot of them. And, uh, yeah, I've got them. I'll go over them here in a little bit. Okay. So, um, okay, so if, um, if you're getting less than six hours of sleep, which long-haul truckers do very easily, um, not just long-haul truckers, just about all truckers. Um, so where is the sleep apnea going to come in to uh, help them uh, get more sleep than six hours a night? Well, they're not going to – there's no way you can get more sleep uh, by putting the mask on. Uh, I guess what they're saying is for those who do have sleep apnea, that at least those four or five hours they get, will be more oxygen enriched through the mask. But it's not going to help the drivers um, who just don't get sleep because of all the uh, situations such as dispatch and shippers, receivers, and all those people dispatch waking you up while you're sleeping, asking you if, you know, are you going to make it on time. And, uh, you know, these are the real things. And actually in that first study, let me find it. The recommendations, this is what they recommended on that very first study that you talked about when they were looking into the HOS. They came up with recommendations, train drivers concerning sleep, improve self-detection of fatigue, and here we go, improve scheduling practices. Motor carriers should endeavor to schedule drivers in a manner which takes account of the now extensive scientific knowledge of the relationships among fatigue, performance, and sleep. Scheduling guidelines should be developed for use in this industry, and more motor carriers 
should begin to use this information for scheduling drivers. In this study, it put the responsibility on the carrier to make sure that their drivers have sleep. Well, that's, the, that's just like the post that I made on AskTheTrucker.com a few days or so ago, whenever it was, <clears throat> that motor carriers are responsible for the truck driver fatigue. Now, where, where Donna, where will this um, sleep apnea testing, how will that help drivers uh, not to get woke up by dispatch wanting to know where they're at and if they're going to be on time? Um, how will that help them? Well, obviously it's not going to help them at all. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, I mean, hopefully CSA 2010 uh, will help a little bit because they won't be able to push them uh, to run so hard uh, or they're going to get violations. They won't be able to uh, disregard their logs and, and things like that, which they're, they're pushed to do. And everybody knows that. All right. Well, okay. We're going to uh, keep uh, keep up with these figures and everything. You know, earlier you heard me tell you about Congress calling for an investigation into these trucking companies' lease purchase programs, and I say it is about time. Now, I came out publicly against this scam nearly five years ago, and I always say stay away from these trucking company lease purchase plans. Well, now I'm telling you how to really become an owner-operator through a lease purchase option, and that is with Lone Mountain Truck Leasing out of Iowa. LoneMountainTruck.com offers the best lease program in the industry, one with no hidden fees, no hidden costs, no giant balloon payment at the end of the lease. You provide a modest down payment, make each monthly payment on time, and when that final monthly payment is made, you get the title to the truck. Plus, you're not held hostage by the trucking companies. It is a real lease, and you will be doing business with a company that holds a high rating among customer satisfaction and integrity. And, and I don't spread the word around on just anyone. Everybody knows that. But if you're wanting to become an owner-operator and you just don't have the cash to shell out to buy a truck outright, and I mean, you know, let's face it, who does? Leasing is the next best way to go, and the only lease I recommend is LoneMountainTruck.com. Monthly payments are kept at around $1,000 or less, and you can rest assured that the truck you choose and will be uh, work-ready and raring to go. So check them out, LoneMountainTruck.com, and tell them Alan Smith sent you. Uh, let's jump in here real quick, Donna. Get I got a caller here. Um, uh, where are they calling from? Delaware, uh, area code 302. Go ahead. You're on the air. Yeah, good afternoon there, bud. How you doing? Oh, I'm good. Patches, how you doing? I'm alive, son. I'm alive. Say any more of that, I'd be a liar. <laughs> What's up? All right, this sleep apnea. Uh, these tests don't understand one thing. Everybody is, a, is individual. There's no two people the same. You could be heavy or over, overweight. Now that I agree, you might have some sleep apnea. But there again, at the same time, you might not. You know, these studies don't take in the individual. And well, then when uh, some of these drivers fill out them forms, naturally they're not going to be uh, upright and truthful about what they say. But at the same time, why should they? These tests go, go against uh, their job. No matter what well, they try study, to do, they can't get it corrected. 
Well, in this study, Patches, um, I don't think there was any um, fear at the time that this was going on. This, they, they knew they were in a research study, um, so they were answering truthfully. With regards to what you just said about body mass and, and you know, there's no prediction, well, that's kind of true because out of the 406 that were flagged, uh, you know, to uh, participate in, in the overnight laboratory study because they were suspect for sleep apnea, 64% turned out not to have it. So, you know, whether whether it was because their body mass was large or their age or a combination of factors, uh, neck size or uh, history of sleepiness, snoring, what you know, this complete questionnaire that they developed, uh, 64% did not have it. And I think that, you know, pretty much takes care of what you're saying, that it's very difficult to predict um, who has it and who doesn't. I, I think the real issues of, of safety uh, is the lack of sleep, and, and that's pretty much what they came up with in the very first study. Lack of sleep is, you know, the biggest problem of driver fatigue. So the next thing you have to look at is what, why aren't they sleeping enough? Um, the, the study in the first one, I believe, said it, they need to have seven hours sleep a night. I don't know how many OTR drivers get seven hours sleep a night. Um, so I think that's the real issue that needs needs to be looked on. Um, I'm agreeing. I'm not knocking down what the, the studies suggest. All I'm saying is a truck driver uh, gets accustomed to one rate of pace. Some of us need two, maybe three hours a night. Some of us need more. That's what I'm saying, individual uh, responses and what they need, their body needs, is different. Because I think what you're you saying sit down is with that they can adapt. They don't figure that in. Right. Well, I think what happens is um, our bodies are meant to adapt to and, and live in survival. And when you live a lifestyle of OTR, your body adapts to, uh, you know, less sleep. I mean, it, that's just what it is. That's it. Yeah, and it's not necessarily OTR, Donna. It's just trucking. I mean, you see me and everything. So right. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, truckers can do the job. Truckers can get by on three hours of sleep if they have to. They can get by on six hours two hours if they have to. I mean, they are always out there doing their job, not complaining, trying to make money for themselves and their families. The problem is the motor carriers. I have been woke up many times by dispatch through that stupid Qualcomm wanting to know why I was sitting still. And I was sitting still because I was sleeping. Well, that woke me up. And you know me, Donna, when, I'm, when I get woke up, I can't go back to sleep. Right. And so this is a thing that falls back on the lifestyle of truckers. This, this is the lifestyle they face, and they're always being pushed by the motor carriers. They're being pushed by the shippers and receivers. Got to make that almighty dollar for the motor carriers and the companies. And it doesn't matter one way or the other if they have 
woke you up from your 10-hour break, if they woke you up from your little nap, it doesn't matter. It's always put on the truck driver, and the fatigue is coming from the lifestyle of the trucking industry. I mean, plain and simple, right? Right. You're right, Alex. Trucking in itself is a different world than a nine-to-five job. I can't do a nine-to-five job nowadays. I've tried, and it it just don't work because I've been on the road for 27 years. But at the same time, these people, uh, especially the politician and the people who's making these CSA 2010 rules and uh, uh, DAC report and all this, if the correct facts are not given them, or if they haven't come and talked to straight-out-and-out drivers who know the business, how can they judge us? That's what I'm trying to get at. If they don't know the business, how can they judge us? Yeah, well, well, they can't. And, and they keep coming up with these so-called safety regulations, and uh doesn't have anything to do with safety at all, in my opinion. They're talking about sleep apnea testing, on truck drivers, they're throwing out this 30% figure of all truck drivers, which is a total lie. It's out of out of the 1,391, it was 4.3%. So let's get that straight. It's not 30% of all 4 million truck drivers in the United States. And at the same time, they're throwing out this sleep apnea testing for the sake of safety. They're wanting to open in the Mexican border. What I talked went through the first time, the first part of the show. Where's the safety in all this? But uh, it's just ridiculous. We want to get the right figures out there and everything. Uh, Patches, thanks. A caller from area code uh, 630, state of Illinois. Uh, Go ahead. You're on the show. Hi. Um, Out of curiosity, were either of you in attendance at the sleep apnea and trucking conference in Baltimore? You've spoken quite eloquently about the topic, but were you at the conference? Uh, I wasn't at the conference, no. No. Okay. Have either of you read the medical expert panel report from the FMCSA Medical Review Board? It is posted and available on their website. It also has a really good bibliography that might point you at the other studies which were used to set that 30% number you've been somewhat critical about. Well, why don't you enlighten us and tell us where the 30% comes from? Well, it comes from about 12 different studies, not just one. A good example would be a study published by Stephanos Kale in the Journal of Occupational and Environmental Medicine last summer. Since I'm not doing a presentation, I don't have the bibliography in front of me. That study found about 30%. And again, they serve, They actually did um, a different screening process on over 1,500 drivers, and they actually tested them. The PAC study that you're citing, they didn't do a random survey. All it was was from one trucking company. You've also kind of missed one of the main points about sleep apnea. It's not related to fatigue. It's related to the fact that if you have sleep apnea, you're stopping breathing while you're sleeping. That arousal, which the doctors call your AHI, or your apnea hypopnea index, 
you don't get into the deep, restful stages of sleep. So yeah, we understand that. We've, 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 we've already talked about that. I mean, we're not saying that sleep apnea doesn't exist. Okay. And I'm just curious how the Mexican trucking, cross-border trucking program relates to a realistic medical problem that a lot of drivers have. I happen to have sleep apnea, and I'm a commercial motor vehicle operator. Uh, I don't know. I haven't said anything about uh, opening the Mexican border would affect sleep apnea. Okay, well, I, I've been listening to the show, but the sleep apnea is a real medical problem, and we've got two issues that are going on. One is whether or not to make mandatory testing for it, but the other one is is educating drivers about a real health issue that can kill you, that if you don't get it, tested, you know, don't get tested for it and get it treated. It causes things like high blood pressure, um, major problems with your brain, um, aggravates diabetes, um, aggravates thyroid disease. There's a whole series of things. So, yes. matter of fact, we have, uh, we have another three pages discussing the symptoms and the uh, treatments for sleep apnea because uh, safety is an issue, okay, and sleep apnea does exist, and we've stated that. Uh, sure. What, what, and some what studies you haven't pushed, looked at, though, some of the studies being, you haven't talked about, though, took people with untreated sleep apnea and actually looked at their long-term insurance rates. Now, many of those studies were not done on commercial motor vehicle operators. They were done on the general driving public. So there are concerns that how much does, you know, a, a four-wheeler's accident rates compare to a truck driver's accident rates. But there's some pretty hard, solid data showing that if you have untreated sleep apnea in the, in the general driving public, you're at a higher risk of crash. And you're right. There are a lot of people questioning the data on commercial motor vehicle crash rates. What we're well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm not. I mean, we, we're we've 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 kind of covered that. I mean, we're we've we've said that sleep apnea is a serious condition. That's not what we're, we're sort of entitled. This is a big rip off. If it's a serious, you know, your your show's entitled. The uh, sleep apnea deception, yes, there's some controversy over some of the, the studies, but the fact that sleep apnea is out there, there's a lot of drivers that have it, and it's a problem, okay. to me that's not so, a deception. The, the problem is to intertwine the use of the words driver fatigue and sleep apnea. If you keep associating those two phrases together, after a while, what happens is the other problems existing within uh, OTR and the truck driver are dismissed, and the responsibilities and the accountability of the people who induce sleep apnea by preventing drivers to have less than their required six hours per night gets dismissed. And now everything is about sleep apnea. You've totally confused fragmented sleep in a normal person. 
from the effects of untreated sleep apnea. Untreated sleep, it's a totally different concept and topic. The problem is if you've got sleep apnea and you're not being treated, you never really get any restful sleep. And no one in sleep apnea testing and treatment is making that connection or correlation. The questions about hours of service and fragmented sleep, those are totally different questions. But they all relate to driver fatigue, and that's what was addressed um, according to uh, the opening statement was the, the phrase driver fatigue. That was the opening statement by Ann Farrow. Am I correct? Un- driver fatigue un- is, is a- untreated sleep apnea does contribute to driver fatigue in people with untreated sleep apnea because they never get decent restful sleep. That's much different than the fact that a typical driver often gets woken up during their DOT breaks. The issue is if you want sleep apnea, you need to get it treated. Absolutely. Absolutely. We we even have a list of... uh, of uh, uh, treatments here and the symptoms, which we we haven't gotten into yet. What treatments are you suggesting? Well, the CPAP, let me get, we weren't prepared yet for this because it's coming on later in the show, but let me get my notes. Are you looking at UPPP surgery and or dental appliances? Yes, that's one of the the treatments. U-triple-P doesn't work. 50% of the people that get that surgery are found to still have sleep apnea less than one year after the surgery. And that's part of, part of what's in our notes, that the CPAP, which is the positive flow oxygen, uh, no, is air. probably Never the... Oxygen. I'm sorry? Here's what I'm, trying to, here's what I'm trying to point out. Um there are people, one of whom is in the room talking to you, who were presenters at the conference that may have a little bit better, more accurate information than what's being given out in this blog radio discussion. Um, my name is Bob Stanton, and if you check the conference uh, proceedings, I made a presentation to the group. Um, you, you've given out a lot of good, interesting information, but you're leaving out a lot. I'd just like to make your listeners aware that they need to do their own research to confirm some of the stuff you're talking about. You're given part of the information, but you're not covering all of it. Would that be fair? Uh, well, I well think... we haven't covered some of it because we still have an hour left in the show, but, I mean, okay. I guess. I don't know. Sure. Well, again, I mean, that was, that was one of the things we've asked. There's a lot of good information out there. Um, and the big point I wanted to come, you know, to, to call in and, and just make the point is there are, there, it is not a deception. It is an honest medical condition a lot of drivers have, and a lot of drivers are refusing or being scared to get tested and treated because of misinformation that seems to be getting out. I'm just going to encourage people to reach out to groups that are out there. And an example would be the American Sleep Apnea Association or the Truckers for a Cause Chapter of Awake. 
Uh, you can Google either of those groups online and ask questions. Do your own research. Would that be fair? That's very sure. fair. And as a matter of fact, that was one of the uh, questions we said in the statement, or I did, and I said, if there is another study, please send it to us. What we're trying to say tonight in the deception that we were referring to was not that sleep apnea does not exist, but rather there are many driver fatigue issues out there other than sleep apnea that are causing drivers uh, very, very much difficulty in their profession. And sleep apnea is one driver fatigue issue, and it is a condition. And we have uh, the symptoms here um, that we've researched. If, if people want to check to see if they have it, uh, the medical physical exam that goes on. I mean, we really are trying to get uh, as much truth out, and we've put a lot of work and research in this to get it out there. But the deception we're referring to is the fact that Drivers have a lot of fatigue, and many of them aren't uh, candidates for uh, sleep apnea, but rather it's because of the lifestyle, the, the, the scheduling that's given to them, the, the late appointment times, and they also, maybe not through sleep apnea, but, but are suffering from fatigue. So another study, another study then that you may want to seriously look at then is the Canadian Fatigue Management Model. It's a current ongoing study jointly with FMCSA and the Canadian Council of Motor Transport Administrators. It is looking at a lot of the questions and issues they're raising. They also have one arm of the study, which is looking at fatigue in um, sleep apnea both treated and untreated patients. Um, so there, you know, the Canadian Fatigue Management um, uh, study, which is currently ongoing, would be another one you might want to look at. How would I sign off so you can you can let some other people on and continue on with your presentation? Well, I want to thank you for calling. I wish uh, we could have spoken prior to this uh, blog talk radio show. And uh, because the name of our show is Truth About Trucking Live, and that's what we're all about. Um, we do want people, uh, and we will get into it, about the obstruction and uh, the treatment uh, and the symptoms so that they can see if they may have it themselves because it is a problem that should be treated. However, we don't want to dismiss the problems that are existing uh, on the road today between dispatch companies shippers and receivers abusing drivers and, and not allowing them to get the rest they need because that's also an important issue and I believe it's just as important as the sleep apnea issue. Yeah, and I think, um, and yeah, we appreciate the call. We, You know, I think we've been clear that sleep apnea is a medical condition and it's serious and it needs to be taken care of. If it's really severe, you don't need to drive. Uh, that's not what we're saying. We're taking this study directly from the FMCSA with 1,391 drivers, and out of the total 1,391, 4.3% actually had stages of sleep apnea. That's what we're doing. That's what we're looking at. 
right from the FMCSA. I do want to look at that other study. Yeah, we'll look the, at the studies. Yeah, I, now, I one, one thing that, about studies, Donna, are the variables within the studies. And, uh, That's why I want to look at are it. Are they I controlled? Mean, I mean, you look at that first study, that seven-year study, $4.5 million by the FMCSA with HOS rules and all that. Um, how were the variables controlled? I mean, the subjects of the study have to be in the environment that they're being studied on. I believe in that study, Alan. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think they were kept in motel rooms and hospital beds. That's, that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't the drivers, think they were. The drivers were put in motels to sleep. Uh, drivers, for the most part, don't sleep in motels. They sleep in the truck. That's one example of a variable that is out of control and, as far as I'm concerned, throws the study right out the window. So you have to wonder uh, how are the other variables being controlled. Is that gentleman still on the line? I think so. Let me – yeah, go ahead. Hi. um, I'm sorry. I don't know your name. I'm Bob. Hi, Bob. Um, If you wouldn't mind – I was in research for um, a number of years, and I actually enjoy – um, researching data and uh, anything to do with research. And if you wouldn't mind, if you could um, email me uh, the links. I did look at the journal you were talking about, and I just couldn't get any data. I couldn't find the data out of it, but that's the exact journal I was I was looking at. Are you there? The, the, quest, the question you're looking at, they had to be put into motel rooms or into a lab because they were administering a test known as a polysoniogram or a PSG. Those tests have to be to be valid, have to be administered under specific conditions. There are other studies. An example is one that's currently being done by roadside medical clinics to compare a ambulatory home sleep study to done in a truck in a truck parking lot in a truck stop lot to an in-lab polysoniogram, but that clinical study is still in progress. It hasn't been published yet. I have some friends that happen to be members of the the, the, the people that are that are study subjects in that one. Um, again, you know, if you're a, a commonly done thing would be in a in something like what you're broadcasting tonight would be to uh, post a bibliography so that your listeners would have a chance to know the exact titles of the studies that you're referring to. Um, you know, I think that, we that, did um, the names of the studies here. on the first one and the second one. Uh, we have those names, the Commercial Motor Vehicle Driver Fatigue and Alertness Study, published 1996, and the, uh, let's see, the PAC published four different studies that year, one of which he only did surveys, one of which he actually did testing. But the testing was done with a portable monitor. They didn't do in-lab studies. So one of the questions was the validity of the type of portable monitor he used. See where this is getting complicated. Well, in the in the in the briefing that I read, it said they called it an overnight lab study. 
And that's the one with you, Penn. That's the sleep okay, apnea so that's for the, a where you, we solicited out of the, the, DM, the DMV records, it wasn't from the short and medium haul trucking company. It, it said it was from a 50-mile radius of a random drivers, um, 4,000, over 4,000 of them, right, okay. and only 1,391 actually completed the questionnaire. Another study he published the same year where they tested all of the drivers you know, volunteer. They test. I'm sorry. They tested a group of volunteer drivers from a Pennsylvania trucking company in a room at with a portable monitor monitoring system um, at the trucking company terminal. Um, again, how about I sign off so you can let some of your other callers get in? But this is there's uh, the point I just wanted to make is there's a lot of information and um, it, it is going to take some time to go through. Well, if you wouldn't mind sending me a link to that study you were speaking of that was conducted this past summer. Um, All of that stuff is going to be, you know, is is either in the bibliographies of the uh, FMCSA medical expert panel or it's in the bibliography of the joint task force report that was published uh, September 2006 in the Journal of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. Otherwise, you'd have to go and get the actual presentations that were given at the Sleep Apnea and Trucking Conference. Many of the, the very current stuff is either in process or hasn't been published yet, which is why to speak on a, a topic as complicated as this, being at that Baltimore conference might have been a good place to start. It would have been an excellent uh, place to start if we could have uh, could have gone, but instead we we've done extensive research, and I think you can appreciate the research we've done just by yeah. you know listening to the show. Well, um, I'll, I'll, I'll sign off, and if, and, and I'll, um, I'll I will work hard at trying to get you an email so we can communicate out off there. How about I let you get back to your your? Okay, that's fine. Uh, Okay, okay, I'm getting tired of that, so let's move on. Um, you know, one thing that bothers me about these studies is if one study doesn't come out with the uh, with the figures you want, well, you just do another. You just do another study. So, okay, uh, let's move on. Um, uh, Donna, where were we? Well, well, you know, we're really talking about um, the the deception apart again. As I still stand on that because these are figures we get from the FMCSA. You can do a study and not come up with the figures you want, and you can do another study until you finally get the figures you want. Uh, we're not saying that sleep apnea is, uh, is not real. It's a serious problem. It needs to be taken care of. Your life could even actually depend on it. Uh, I hear I wanted to give people some of the symptoms, and uh, th this is what I came up with. Okay, if they have loud chronic snoring, choking or gasping during sleep, excessive daytime sleepiness, morning headaches, memory or learning problems, feeling irritable, poor concentration, changes in mood, including depression, or dry throat or mouth upon awakening. Now, these could be warning signs that you do have sleep apnea. Okay, well, that, every one of those covers me. <laughs> and probably covers 
99% of all the drivers. You know, it irritates me that studies are being done by probably people who've never been in a truck and who's never spent 34 years of their life trucking down the interstate. And, you know, you talked about comments. Let's, let's, let me get those comments. Um, comments from drivers from Facebook. Um, Roy. Roy says, I think this whole sleep apnea business is something pushed by the bigger carriers to try to take the blame off of themselves more than a medical concern. If driver fatigue were that, were that big of an issue, these huge carriers would be pushing for major reforms in areas like pushing drivers to be on the road every available minute. I've talked to a lot of drivers. I see more drivers who say they have to ask dispatch permission to stop and get something to eat. There's a dispatch calling on the phone when they know the driver is doing sleeper time, waking the driver up to ask if they're going to be on time. They care less about driver safety and blame sleep apnea on when a driver falls asleep at the wheel and runs into a school bus or plows through an intersection. We all know every one of those upstanding companies will go straight to court and swear they told their driver to run compliant. Robert writes, I agree with your statements here because it has happened to me. They are okay with you if you'll run your heart out for them, but if you need rest, they're not okay with it. They'll let me run my 70 hours, and then when I need my 34 hours to reset my logs, they get upset. Joe says, that's exactly why I came off the road, and probably other drivers feel the same way about it, and most of the accidents happen are drivers being pushed over the limits. The freight is not worth your life. And Michael writes, my main cause of fatigue is having dispatchers that will have you unloading at 6 a.m., then your reload is 11 p.m., and by the way, it just happens to be a hot load, so you have to run all night to get there. And Linda says, that's right, and if both the trucking company and the receivers could get a regulated fine for doing all that, then it would be justifiable, justifiable revenue for the state. And Arthur writes, they are never going to leave the truckers alone. They don't realize what we go through out here and deal with every day. Companies cutting drivers' miles wages, and they also fill drivers full of promises. And when you get there, they change things. And this is just a few of the comments. There was one woman who commented on there saying she had to ask permission to urinate. They didn't even want her to stop to go to the bathroom. Well, I would sue the trucking company for my uh, for my uh, employee rights on that part. But these are the comments coming from truck drivers who live in trucks and who do the job and who run the road and know how to drive and not from people who are standing up giving a presentation at at some conference in in Kalamazoo, whoever. So sleep apnea is a serious condition. We've said that. If you have it, you need to get tested. But I'm telling you, 34 years on the road, I'm telling you that the problem with driver fatigue is from the motor carriers and the dispatchers and the shippers and receivers pushing the drivers to the collapsing edge of fatigue. That is the problem of driver fatigue. Well, I think you have a lot of people uh, agreeing with you. I got a lot of feedback uh, on this today. And, uh, you know, the, what argument is, is that? I mean, there is no argument to it. It's fact. Everybody knows it. And by putting, you know, sleep apnea out in front, it shouldn't dismiss all that else is going on that is uh, contributing to truck driver fatigue. Well, it's just like Roy said. Uh, where is it at here? Um, if driver fatigue were that big an issue, these huge carriers would be pushing for major reforms in areas like pushing 
drivers to be on the road every available minute. Basically, he's saying, and that's what I am saying, that if it's all about safety, then stop the motor carriers from pushing the drivers to fatigue. Mm-hmm. That's what they do, and and you can't tell me they can't. Well, they don't because I've been there 34 years. This is this is what bothers me. And, you know, I'm all about looking at research. As a matter of fact, I can't wait to see the the research in that journal and look at the uh, methodology and the uh, conclusions and how it was set up. I love doing that. But what bothers me is dismissing the importance of the other topics and issues that we're discussing. And that, that just... That just bothers me. When you're speaking about safety and you're going to be so concerned about um, sleep apnea, which you should be, but yet not respect the other things that are going on out there and at least acknowledge them and admit that they're real problems and it is causing fatigue, then that that just really bothers me. You have to recognize that these other things are going on. Yeah, and uh, I don't think they ever uh, ever acknowledged that. It just kept on um, going on. Uh, sleep apnea is a major deal, and it's a serious problem. And, and we're saying that, too. Of course it's a serious we, problem. I just don't believe that it's 30%. I want to see it, the data. It's, it's, well, I tell you, Donna, your expertise is in research. Uh, data can be manipulated any way it wants. Well, that's why I want to see the data. I want to see it. And even if a new study does come out and, you know, say that, yeah, it's 30%, um, it's like the comment that I made earlier in the show. Um, There have been many institutional studies that show that the proportion of large truck crashes for which fatigue is a contributing factor is uncertain. Plain and simple, it's uncertain. You have 30% being thrown out. You have 6 to 12% of the overall male population. Uh, <clears throat> when you can also find where fatigue has been a contributing factor 6 to 7% of the time. Now, that's not to say sleep apnea isn't a problem. It is. But when you have 1,391 drivers and 30% of 406 out of those have some stages of sleep apnea, you cannot put all over the Internet and all over publications saying 30% of all drivers have sleep apnea and not expect truckers are going to come back and challenge you on that. Well, I think I think this is it. I think this um, these studies that this gentleman called up about. I think they need to have them easily accessible. I mean, I searched. I did get on that journal, and I tried to uh, get the study that I believe he was referring to, mm-hmm. and I just could not get a hold of it either. I wasn't entering information correctly. Uh, or what, but whatever the case, I'm I'm pretty savvy with the computer, and if I couldn't get a hold of it, I'm sure a lot of drivers can't either. I think what they need to do is make those uh, those studies totally accessible, 
and and put them out there. If he sends it to us, you know, we'll we'll put it out there, and we'll look at it and look at the data. And I I really want to see what it how they how they conducted it and uh, how yeah. it was done. Yeah, we will. We'll look at the new data because the old data didn't give them the answers that they wanted. And so we'll look at the new data. That's fine. I mean, he said he'll get on there and send it uh, to your email. So let's see what happens. Okay. Um, uh, but anyway, okay, um, where am I at here? Uh, let's see. Well, we went through the Facebook comments, and that was just a few That was just a few comments from drivers. Oh, but, I didn't do, you know, I copied and pasted them off, but there oh, was I know. a lot more. Yeah, that was just a few, but, uh, you know, I also want to tell you, too, you know, as an owner-operator, a lot of people are looking into becoming an owner-operator. Uh, they don't want to work uh, for, you know, that entrepreneur spirit that keeps the country going, so... Um, you know, as an owner-operator, small fleet owner, freight broker, or freight forwarder, you know, whatever your own trucking business uh, encompasses, insurance is one of the biggest expenses you'll face. And as a smart business owner, shopping around for the best insurance coverage at the uh, best price is just a smart thing to do. And uh, I just have to tell you about RigQuote.com. RigQuote.com is changing the way insurance carriers do business. They work with over... 50 of the best insurance companies in America, and that's why they can provide you with the best insurance coverage for your business at the best price. And you can even receive a price quote right through their website in five minutes or less. And RigQuote.com offers many various discounts that can even save you more money. And so you have your own trucking business. You're one of these entrepreneurs that makes America strong. You owe it to yourself to save where you can and keep more of that hard-earned money in your own pocket. And saving on insurance costs without sacrificing coverage is your first step. And RigQuote.com can do just that. So do yourself a favor and check them out at RigQuote.com, or better yet, just give them a call. Toll-free number, 888-701-1795. RigQuote.com, Trucking Insurance Simplified. And um, so, Donna, look, um, I mean, this is a complicated subject. I mean, he was absolutely correct about that. And, you know, I'm certainly no medical doctor, but uh, I've lived on the road uh, most of my life, still out there doing it. And what really irritates me and veteran drivers is someone in a suit telling me why I'm fatigued, and I'm telling them why I'm fatigued, and they're not listening to me. Well, you know, I was thinking earlier, and with all these studies, I think a very interesting study would be to have a questionnaire asking drivers uh, a random amount, 2,000, 1,500, 5,000, whatever the number they want to pick, and ask them, all the things that goes on while they're driving that interrupts their sleep. And then and then do a study on that and see what the major causes are uh, when they read that. I mean, that would be really interesting to see what people say, everything that they tolerate. Um, of course, you know, out of 5,000, let's say, you know, you might pick the best 1,000 that are, you know, that have really intelligently uh, put the information down, but uh, I think that would be a good study, at least a little feedback, because they haven't been in the truck, and they don't understand 
to understand driver fatigue. And uh, I, I think we really need to get people involved to understand this because people don't want to believe that somebody's telling you to run illegally. They, you know, that's not one of the variables that they put into the study, okay? Them telling you, uh, well, it really needs to get there, and you saying, you know, but I'm tired and I have to rest, and no, I'm not going to do it, and so you have to sit for three days without any miles because they're angry, you, you didn't do what they said. See, the, these are the variables that are in, aren't in the studies. Right. Well, well. Perhaps the people at the conference are very sincere about it, but the the motive behind the people supporting it and some of the people is great. You know, this is a great diversion, and we'll blame driver fatigue on this, and uh, it kind of takes the attention uh, away from the other things that are going on. And they're to me, they're just as, as serious. Well, it is, and. Um... And uh, we'll touch on it a little bit more. Let's take a take a quick little two or three minute break, and we'll be back to wrap up this show, this episode of Truth About Trucking Live. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back home. I 
Till my song faces I see Day to day they rely on me One day you will understand I help the world to move along One mile down and a thousand more to go I carry the load down the road officer and founder of attackthatticket.com. Support for attackthatticket.com has been so overwhelming that I wanted to personally thank you. We have a simple message. Don't plead guilty as charged before you check our website or give us a call. Our website shows you the true cost of the fines, points, and additional penalties you can often receive from the DMV that the court doesn't tell you about. And when people call us and it doesn't make sense to use an attorney, we'll tell you, just pay the ticket. But when you need a lawyer, we really know how to put the law on your side. Look, I'm a former police officer. I've been there. I've used the radar, and I know that at certain times, it doesn't work. That's just something you can't learn in law school. When you use us, we charge one low flat fee. You never have to take off time from work. You never have to come to court. We'll do everything for you. So if you get a ticket, go to our website or give us a call toll-free at one 877 ticks before you send it in. We'll tell you when you need us, and more importantly, when you don't. Thanks so much for your support. Attack that ticket. Yeah, that's for sure. You get a moving violation anywhere in the state of New York, contact attorney Michael Palumbo at attackthatticket.com. He's been helping drivers for a lot of years now. So, uh, Donna, are you still there, right? I'm still here. I did have a couple announcements. Um, if you want me to wait till the end of the show or if you want me to do uh, it now. No, that's fine. I also want to say that the uh, song you just heard, Down the Road, is by Rob Anthony of robanthonymusic.com. So got to give him credit for that tribute to truckers. And uh, uh, our caller, Bob, there, uh, I got your uh, message blast. So I got your email and everything. I'll pass that on to Donna, and I appreciate that. And uh, we do appreciate you calling and hearing both sides of this everything. And uh Donna's background is in research, so I'm sure she'll jump on that. So thanks for sending us your email. I appreciate it. And But, uh, yeah, go ahead, Donna, and we'll wrap it up here in a little bit. Okay. Um, I want to mention um, I was speaking with Dan Little from the OOU, uh, OwnerOperatorsUnited.org, 
and he has written uh, a couple of letters to uh, Ray LaHood uh, concerning the uh, Mexican uh, border uh, opening. And uh, if you could go to his website and read those letters, it's uh, ownerapparatorsunited.org. He also has a Ning site. Um, and also, also Matthew Overtime Turner, his uh, Ning site, he's going to be uh, forwarding it over to his Facebook site. You can look him up at Matthew Overtime Turner. Uh, it was unitedcdl.ning.com. Uh, and for those of you who want to continue looking at United CDL, um, he will be on Facebook. So I wanted just to mention those two uh, uh, things right right now. Um, actually, safety, uh, I have some notes here, you know, CDL training. I, I think something needs to be done with that. We discussed it in the last show. Uh, it does need to be uh, safer, not just the training in the schools, but the training that goes on uh, once they graduate and in the companies. Um, you know, I think that could be stepped up a little bit, too. And I just want to say that uh, we are very concerned with safety. And uh, whether whether it be the, the drivers being uh, awakened uh, for no good reason and losing their sleep, whether it be sleep apnea, uh, whatever the CDL training inadequacies, it's all about safety. Um, so... Uh, just to let everyone know that that's a big uh, a big issue with us, and it seems that Bob perhaps might have gotten the idea that we want to dismiss the seriousness of sleep apnea. No, we just don't want it to to take the whole stage of what's going on within the industry, which he may not be aware of. He, you know, they're focused on uh, medical. And uh, maybe this was good for him to hear also. So we do thank him for calling in. I do. I appreciate it. And I can't wait to get my hands on that paper. Yeah, I know you can't. <laughs> well, one thing, you know, they, uh, um, you know, the, for so many years, these organizations and things have gotten by with just uh, with nobody, you know, pushing them, nobody uh, standing up and saying, well, wait a second, you know, what about this? What about that? And, uh, well, they're not used. They're not used to drivers coming up here now and speaking out and saying, well, hold on a minute, what about this and what about this problem? And until they uh, until they understand we're not going away anytime soon and they understand that there's a lot more problem to driver fatigue than to keep coming up with these uh, regulations that's going to get into the driver's pocket, uh, you know, the problem is going to continue. Um we're winding it down here, but I want to get this one caller on here. Uh, caller from Nevada, area code seven zero two. Go ahead, you're on the air. Yeah, I tell you what, when I get tired on that truck, I just do a whole bunch of crystal meth, baby. Yeah. I'm... Well, you know the thing about that is there probably are drivers that do that, <laughs> and and that, but they that's where. CSA 2010 is going to come in and uh, knock you right off the road, and we'll all be better for it. So, um, anyway, Donna, let's wrap it up. Uh, if you have any more um, uh, things you needed to get on and say? Uh, no, I pretty much. I would like to tell everybody about our um, our trucker app. 
Um, if you have an iPhone and you want to download it, just go to the iTunes store or on your iPhone or under your search bar under the applications icon and type in Trucker and you can download it. Um, it's an excellent application, a lot of resources, and it has our blog, it has Twitter, it has all the trucking events and all the uh, ATA, uh, OIDA, all the organizations on there that you can uh, you can find along with a trip miler and uh, truck stops, just uh, just things that you'll need every day. So uh, okay, you know, all all kinds of things. I don't have the paper in front of me. It's got a list so long, so I'm just <laughs> trying to think of it off the top of my head. All I know is that the people that have it seem to really like it, so trucker. Well, what's nice about that is that we have the ability to uh, uh, add add new things on a daily basis, you know, which most uh, iPhone apps don't, so that's the one cool thing about it. But, yeah, you can check it out at truckerapp.com and uh, download it to your iPhone and hope you enjoy that. So, um, uh, okay, I guess that will uh, that will do it. For this broadcast of Truth About Truck and Live, thanks for joining us and spending a little of your time with us this evening. And um, I guess one thing we got to get across here is that uh, is it really about safety or providing a new pool of cheap labor truckers? What's the point of sleep apnea testing while at the same time you're pushing for opening the Mexican border? And flooding us in with uh, could be unsafe drivers, all the kind of things we hear about, all the kind of things that uh, Owner Operators United is fighting about, and writing uh, Secretary of Transportation Ray LaHood, which, by the way, Mr. LaHood never seems to respond. Uh, so here's the bottom line: the FMCSA, all these organizations, they're not used to having anybody stand up against them to ask them questions, to confront them, and times have changed. And maybe they just don't quite know how to handle it. But professional drivers have a message for the NTSB, the FMCSA, the ATA, and all those other safety experts who continue to push false information and regulations down our throats, all in the name of safety. You want to get a handle on truck driver fatigue and make our roads safer for drivers and the general public? then you got to change the lifestyle that truckers are forced to endure by the dispatchers, the trucking companies, the shipper and receivers, because you're looking at the driver as the problem. The safety problem is with the motor carriers and the shipper and receivers. That's your biggest problem. And until you stand up and acknowledge that and actually do something about it, you can have all the sleep apnea testing and the BMI checks you want, and you're still going to have truck driver fatigue problems in the United States, and you can take that to the bank, I guarantee it. So stop pushing drivers to the edge of fatigue, all for the sake of your almighty dollar. That's what you do. So will you? And I get emails all the time saying, hey, Alan, be careful what you say because everybody's watching you. Well, we will be watching you. And that is just the way it is in this age of social media. 
So until next time, for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith, and on behalf of myself and Donna, drive safe, and thanks for listening.